and welcome to another episode of the Pity Performance Podcast. Solo episode for you guys today. I was kind of racking my brain as to what I was going to talk about and I was kind of procrastinating over the last few weeks because I thought I would be so lucky to get a guest on. But then I said, look, it's probably best to just be as candid as I possibly can and talk about my feelings and talk about uh, what's going on in Australia for sure. Uh, I know I had an extremely positive podcast last week and a solo episode, which was recorded, I'd say, about two, three weeks ago. Um, but I've been struggling to get guests on, to be honest. Um, not that I've been struggling to get responses from people. People have been saying that they come on the podcast. It's just that people have very busy lives, very hectic schedules, and it's potentially not the right time for them to come on to the podcast. Now, as I've said previously, that doesn't mean that there won't be a right time for them to come on. So you've just got to respect that. You've got to deal with it. And then uh, Stephen Pressfield, War of Art, great book uh, about kind of not procrastinating and putting off uh, against resistance, the resistance to creating and just going ahead and doing it. So I said I would just speak openly, candidly about what's going on um, and put together some sort of content that's probably going to be beneficial to somebody. The solo episodes are still getting a decent amount of listens, so I am probably it's probably a worthwhile endeavor to get to work and put something together for you guys. So yeah, I said I'd come on and just uh, chat about what I've been working on, things I've been going through, uh, conversations that I've been having, and how everything's going in Australia. So yeah, so like, to be honest, as I expected, and as I kind of prefaced or predicted on the last episode of this podcast and the last solo episode, things haven't gone exactly the plan over the last two or three weeks in regards to everything, in regards to podcasting, in regards to the business. Um, so I said I'd come on and I'd talk about the process of creating, reach out, running a business, being an entrepreneur, and uh, yeah, just being truthful about that. So like that was one aspect that was probably getting to me a little bit was the fact that I was trying quite hard to schedule guests in and for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right time for them. Now, reframing it in that way that just because it's not the right time now doesn't mean it's never going to be the right time has been extremely useful for me. And it's about like identifying what is within your control. So the only thing that's within your control is how many people you reach out to and how willing you are to reach out to people and get them on the podcast. And then in regards to when you put a podcast together, putting together a very well written or well spoken and uh, comprehensive episode let's say so that applies to both my solo episodes my guest episodes on the pd performance podcast and my episodes where i'm presenting on the backdoor cut as well to be honest at the very start of the year i wasn't too happy with how my presenting was going on that so i've been making a conscious effort in the last couple of weeks to try to improve that and something that modern wisdom what Chris Williamson talks about is becoming a pro. So I've really tried to just be as professional as possible, do my homework, do the research prior to those podcast episodes, as I always do. Like that's one thing that guests always say when they come on is they're blown away by the amount of research that I do, the amounts that I find out about them. And then I suppose my ability to actively listen. And that hasn't been something that is innate and something that has come like, really quickly to me it's something that I've worked on 
um, like over 100 episodes now, obviously you're going to have ample time to improve as a presenter. And I see that with lots of people that do podcasts. And I had a conversation with Jordy Taylor about that as well and how you develop throughout the years. The more reps you do, the same as anything, the better you get at it. So that's all you can do is try to put out the best quality content possible. Then people will be likely to listen to it. If you're diligent and you're professional and you put together a decent product, then the product speaks for itself. It gets sent around. It gets reshared. People enjoy it and then they share it with other people that may enjoy it. And that's the easiest way to get ahead really is to just do really good work. I know I've done a podcast on the value in doing good work previously and it can't be understated. And then in regards to other things that were probably getting to me, like as an entrepreneur, because when you're running your own business and you're self-employed, you are an entrepreneur as um ridiculous as that sounds like and as cringy as it is to call yourself an entrepreneur probably because of the connotations that come along with it you are like you have to come up with your own ideas you have to do your own advertising marketing now ryan obviously gives me a hand but for the most part the direction that we're going in is up to me so until you scale up and you can like get somebody in to manage the business or be ceo or whatever you are every aspect of the business other than the aspects like accounting that you're outsourcing for. With that comes a lot of stress and pressure because if you're employing people, it's even more pressure because you're under pressure to provide not only for yourself, but to provide for them as well. And then when you take away, as I said, the safety net of team sport coaching like I did at the end of last year with those turning down those couple of offers that I did, there's a little bit more uncertainty and then it probably hits you a little bit harder when things don't exactly go to plan. And as I said, I had some of the best weeks or the best months and weeks that I've ever had uh, in regards to online coaching and the online platform. And I was delighted with it and I knew and I was saying to myself, look, it's not going to be like this all the time, but that doesn't make it that much easier when things take a turn. And that's not that things have gone incredibly bad just potentially growth has stalled a tiny bit in comparison to what it was doing in the previous four months now maybe that's a normal thing and maybe it's a good thing because if you continued growing at that scale and at that uh, level then potentially it would grow way too fast and you wouldn't be able to deliver the highest quality product and service as possible um, you wouldn't be able to hire appropriately you'd be under pressure to hire and then you'd make poor decisions and then things might go right however it's not that people haven't been coming to the service and people haven't been benefiting from the service quite the contrary i suppose like the people within the service have been seeing great value in what they've been getting out of it i suppose and what i've been doing for them in terms of their return to play in terms of their training for performance it's probably just and I still have got new people into the service as well. It's probably just the frequency with which I'm getting new people in hasn't been to the same level. Now, maybe because I made a conscious effort to reduce the amount that I was going to get in, that could be potentially it as well. So then I haven't been posting my offers as much um, because I've been focusing on the athletes within it. Now, maybe that's just a decision on my part that I need to reassess. But potentially as well as that and I know for certain I had a couple of clients that I didn't retain after they completed the service 
or completed our first tier service of the PD Performance Premium Pack. And like same thing as the podcast, then it's just not the right time for them. Now that might mean that they aren't seeing the value in the service that they once were. It might mean that they're going down a different path in, res in relation to their performance. It might mean that they have become empowered in relation to their own skills and personal skills and ability to take control of their own performance in regards to their training, their nutrition, um, their habits, etc. And it might be financial constraints as well that they are just making a decision that they need to invest in other areas or it might be a time constraint too. They might need to take a step back from the training. They might need to focus on other areas such as family, um, such as relationships, such as work, etc. And that's perfectly fine. And you have to be okay with it. And you have to respect that from them because if you try to sell to somebody that's not going to benefit from your service, then they're going to have negative word of mouth afterwards because they're not going to get out of the service what they expect to get out of it and what they deserve. So your service is only the right service for the right person at the right time. And that's the power of saying to some people, look, you're not appropriate for this service. And if you assess the market and assess your niche correctly and you get the right people in, then their results are going to speak for themselves and they're going to do better off the back of it. So just because a couple of people haven't been retained and those that haven't been retained are generally the healthy athletes that commonly what I see is they decide, oh, well, the club is now doing S&C. They have somebody new in. I'm going to give that a go for a while. And that's perfectly fine, especially if they have a good S&C. It's just unfortunate that sometimes GAA clubs go for price rather than value, a vast majority of them, and they'll get a fitness instructor or PT to do their S&C, even though they're not qualified or experienced enough to do so. And as a result, the player suffers. Now, they have to go away and they have to make that mistake for themselves. They've got to try it out and maybe it won't be a mistake. Maybe they'll continue to progress. Maybe they have now got the skills, as I said, to continue progressing themselves and looking after themselves. Or maybe they will reach a plateau. Maybe they will be negatively impacted by working in a program or, or implementing a program that's not really appropriate to them. And maybe in really poor cases, and hopefully it doesn't happen for very many of my athletes, um, but you can't be confident because it happens to everyone at different times for different reasons. Sometimes it could be so negative that they do become injured. And then they'll probably be back to you as well is the other thing. So you just got to be open with them. You've got to be understanding and you have to show empathy for their situation. But what probably gets to me a little bit, and it's perfectly normal for it to get to you, I think, but you just can't take it personally, is when you've been working with someone for a very, very long time. And then one day it's just, oh, I'm actually out. Uh, sorry, thanks for everything. Thumbs up. And that's the last year from them. Um, and that's their prerogative. Like you have to respect that decision. But I suppose, and it's something that uh, a lot of my athletes and a lot of my clients probably are aware of and a lot of my friends are aware of. And it's that I'm quite a sensitive and caring person. And... I don't know if it's a natural thing. I don't know if it was learned. It probably is a combination of both. But I generally 
get quite invested in any relationships I have with friends and with clients, with anybody else as well. And as a result of that, I tend to care a lot and I tend to not take rejection that well. And when I feel disrespected or unappreciated or I feel like um, maybe my actions, people haven't been grateful for them, which they don't have to. They don't have to please you all the time. Like the world isn't set up for you. But sometimes I can take that to heart a little bit and it can kind of impact my self-worth a little bit. And it's nothing about that, to be honest. But I probably blame myself for a lot of those things. And as I've spoken about previously, it's both a weakness and a strength in that I blame myself that it hasn't worked out the way that I want it to work out. But I have quite a strong locus of control. So I would say, okay, how could I have done that better how could i have acted differently to lead to a different outcome or a more positive outcome and how am i going to do it in the future so that's focusing on what i can control but it's also probably a little bit maladaptive in that like i'm saying that i'm not enough and i know my therapist at home who I have, like obviously being out here i haven't been to therapy in a while i had my last therapy session before i left and um, would always beyond me saying that I have to say to myself I am enough and for whatever reason throughout my life I've always well not throughout my life there was previous time when I didn't think I was enough at all but I would constantly say to myself as an affirmation in the morning for the last few years I am enough but I can be so much more um and she would say that that is unhealthy, that that is saying that you're not enough. You have to just stop it with a full stop. And I don't know. I don't know, to be honest, if I would have that trade off. Like, I prefer to want to learn and want to strive and want to do better. I think if I don't have a personal responsibility or I don't have something that I'm working towards, I'm not really feeling fulfilled. And it's been a realization coming out here. Like, I, I wrote it in my newsletter. I'm sure some of you have received it I got some decent feedback off the newsletter about things that I've been discovering out here um and yeah like I need to have a personal purpose I guess and my purpose is to try to help those athletes and then when it's not exactly thrown back in my face but when it's not reciprocated in terms of the care and uh, the diligence with which I do so it does impact me a little bit and I think that's understandable um but it's something that is not talked about really in the industry of online coaching and that was if, like an idea. I said, why don't I come on and talk about some of the things that aren't talked about in the industry of online coaching? And that is definitely one of them, that sometimes you do take it uh, to heart when clients don't renew or when they move on to somebody else. And, and it's perfectly normal. But then there's something that I've spoken about with a couple of other coaches that happens in the online coaching space, but happens in friendships, happens in relationships, happens all over the world. And it happens obviously in online coaching too. And that is ghosting, clients ghosting you. And it's something that it's hard to fathom. And it's only happened to me a couple of times, to be honest. Um, and like when it does happen, it's kind of the same thing. You're questioning, what could I have done differently there? I was really trying to do my best for that person. But you've got to remember, it's not to do with you, it's to do with them if they've done that. Maybe they just don't want to have difficult or a hard conversation with you. And that's fully up to them if they don't want to. Um, 
maybe it's a case that they just aren't seeing the value in what you're doing and they don't want to speak or give you feedback and they're embarrassed. Or maybe it's a case that they haven't been completing the sessions and maybe they've been feeling embarrassed about not doing so. Um, so they don't feel they're getting the maximum amount out of the service that they can. And I would always take that to heart as well. I don't know why I take it all to heart, but I'm like, okay, maybe I was being overbearing and I wasn't being understanding. And maybe I need to show more empathy and it needs to be more okay for them not to complete everything. Uh, and you can see a common trend here, I guess. But it does happen and it, and it hits some coaches harder than others when that happens. Um, I know a couple of coaches that that's happened to and when they speak about it, you can tell that they really did feel something negative as a result of that experience and whenever it happens it's kind of like perplexing to them um, but I'm sure they're assessing their own actions as well and reassessing um, how they're feeling and look that's just something candid that I've been dealing with I guess in the last while and it's something minor as well people are probably going to listen to that, this and be like what is he getting worked up over a couple of people didn't renew like but when you're fending for yourself and you're uh, doing your own thing you have to take those things person well not personally but you have to take them into consideration and you have to try to strive and I always would have a propensity to worry I guess a bit of a worrier towards the future um as all entrepreneurs are I say and a lot of people are as well it's completely normal um but I'd always have one eye towards what's going on and sometimes it does get to me and my mates here are good about it as well like and that's probably one of the reasons to move down here is to be around them in that like they know when I'm stressed because I'm quiet and it's often that I'm quiet. Um, but they respect it and they just suggest things to do together, I guess, that don't take that much social interaction and ask me if I want to talk about it. And if I do, I do. But typically I won't. You'd be actually shocked, I'd say, any listeners, that I'm not as open as I am uh, usually on the podcast as I am with them. Uh, for some reason or whatever reason, you always feel like you're being a burden to somebody else when you do open up. But I have been getting better about opening up. And not that this is a pity party, but like something else that I've been dealing with of late and probably just said it might be a benefit to get off my chest for other coaches and other athletes and other people that are experiencing it too is not so much like, intense anxiety like I did have anxiety in the past but I haven't experienced anything to that level in a long long time other than maybe the odd day or a couple of days when it would be really aggressive due to things that were happening in my life or in the business um but I definitely wouldn't say that I'd be near what I was like when I was diagnosed with it um but a little bit of social anxiety coming out here and I think that's normal as well Coming to Australia, like meeting new people as well as your current group of friends, it's probably always going to be a little bit nerve-wracking going into those big group scenarios. But I've figured out in the last while I'm probably way more comfortable in smaller group scenarios than I am in um, big groups, uh, big groups of people that I don't really know. And it's good to have my friends here to help me out with that, but it's just something to identify um, and something that I've noticed and something that I've been dealing with and... Like the only way to deal with it, I guess, is to probably go through it. So I've probably been not forcing myself, but trying to go to more large group occasions, even though I'm uncomfortable with those scenarios so that I do in time become comfortable with them. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. 
maybe sometimes I should just not push to improve all the time and all this self-development all the time. But I think you run to the resistance the same way that you run towards the resistance that I was talking about with Stephen Pressfield and War of Art. Um, and I think it's something for entrepreneurs, online coaches especially, or people working on their own or in the online space. I've heard of a lot of people um, feeling it because we don't get the social interaction that other people do when they're working in bigger entities or bigger companies or even smaller companies when they're interacting with people on the day-to-day. Like most of my interactions today were via text message or via Zoom call or that was it actually. This is, I was going to say, this is the first time I've spoken to somebody today in person, um, but sure, I'm talking to a camera and I'll go to the gym after this. That's what I've planned. But then I'll make a priority of connecting with some friends later on in person. Um, Because I think the reason that a lot of us feel this social anxiety is because we are constantly by ourselves. Um, So then as a result, our ability to connect in a social setting, because we don't get that same exposure as usual, potentially isn't trained as much. So then we're not as strong in that setting. And then we're less confident and we're more nerve nervy around what we're going to say or anything like that. Um, and that's probably why I came out here. And I spoke about it previously as in the same way that my major interaction throughout the week when I was back at home because I was working in the online space all morning, all day. And then when I got to the evening, I was going to the club, the coach was generally being my business and my work self, my coach Pete hat was on and I didn't ever really get to just be Pete um so that was one of the reasons I came out here so it's important that I do go into these social situations and I attempt to go outside my comfort zone as much as I can to kind of reduce that social anxiety and even knowing that it's completely normal is a good thing and if there's anybody out there that's feeling that as well as a result of being the coach all the time being the PT all the time being uh, the online trainer all the time and working for yourself, just know it's completely normal. And I know I speak about it all the time, but small group th- uh, settings, which are really close friends, or even some of your close friends as almost like a crutch or somebody to help you um, in those settings, and maybe some of their friends or their associates is an easy icebreaker. The easiest one for men is definitely true a shared kind of pursuit, and it's definitely true casual sport, be it tag rugby, five-a-side, uh, golf uh, if you're sporty and if you're not then whatever else floats your boat like but just get outside the house and try and do things and then you'll feel better rather than continually isolating yourself um, which is not going to help at all and that's probably one thing with me that I'm conscious of too is that when the business isn't going to plan even though it's not going poorly um, but it's not maybe improving at the rate I would want it to or I would like it to I have a tendency to go into my work a little bit um, and just go into myself and it's very important that I work smarter not harder so you want to do the maximum amount you're capable of to a high degree but you want to maximize your time that you're doing so and be professional so that means getting to bed on time getting up and having a schedule to stick to and then once you've completed your tasks trying to switch off from it and know that you've done everything that you possibly can um and this is learned stuff as well like but hopefully it's advice that some people will um find benefit in or see benefit in um 
And that that's something that's not spoken about, as well as potentially the stress that comes with being your own boss and being the master of your own destiny, as they say with online coaching. Um, it is great. Like they say that, look, you get to decide when you work and how long you work for. But unfortunately, by nature, a lot of people that get into this gig are quite type A personality and they decide to start working at 5, 6 a.m. in the morning and they decide to stop working when they can't work anymore. And as a result, sometimes they may burn out. And I know I've experienced burnout before uh, and it does happen to a lot of people. And it's something that's not really spoken about as frequently as it should be in the coaching community because we're all people pleasers and trying to serve people all the time. So sometimes we serve them at the expense of ourselves and we don't know when to say no and we don't know when to stop. Um, because it seems at times the more we do, the more we're rewarded for it. But you've got to reframe that and change it into doing what you do better. And then as a result of that, you'll get more out of what you're doing was potentially just doing the same amount or the right amount so that you can be efficient and effective in what you're doing. And it's of really, really high quality. And I know that a lot of younger coaches and PTs will be doing six, seven day weeks They'll be doing 12, 13 hour days and they'll think it's phenomenal to get more financial compensation and to get ahead. But it's short term. You can't do that forever. And some people will say I'm soft for saying that. But if you want to have a relationship, if you want to have a family, they're going to want to see you more than two days or two hours out of the day um, and uh, what 14 hours out of the week. So at some stage, you've got to make that decision that, look, I'm going to do what I'm doing now, but I'm going to scale it a little bit and I'm going to do it to a higher de degree and a higher level so that I can help more people, more athletes in my case, um, but I can still enjoy my life and still have that social interaction that I'm missing, even though it absolutely frightens the shit out of me at the moment. Um, but that's growth, both personal and business and professional, I should say. So yeah, that's all reframing and mindset and that's something that I'm probably delving into more. I always am kind of delving into it. I enjoy a lot of psychology. I read a lot of psychology. At the moment, I'm reading Steve Magnus, uh, Do Hard Things. <laughs> and I love doing hard things, I guess. Uh, like, And setting personal goals, as you know, as I've spoken about previously. And having a personal journey or having some sort of... Uh, I guess, like a purpose in my life, I guess, uh, something that I'm working towards. If I'm not working towards something, I feel like I'm just idle and I'm not uh, getting ahead. So that's been useful in terms of uh, giving anecdotes from sport and examples from sport and top performers in uh, the military as well and how they frame things in their mind and what they do for connection and what they do to get the most out of themselves, be it on the field of play or in their preparation or in training, or in their personal lives as well. So that's something that I've been reading, and I, it may sound like a, I read a lot and I learn a lot, and I do, I suppose. I get a lot of reward out of it. I always have throughout my uh, life, and it's probably why I place such an emphasis on learning, because it seems like, as me and Owen spoke about in the podcast, and me and David spoke about in the podcast, the more I learn, and the better I guess, the luckier I guess, and the more things that go my way. So I've been placing an emphasis when things haven't been exactly going to, to plan of learning more, providing a better quality service, making better business connections and, and, and working relationships and affiliate relationships 
and learning more about like business and how to structure a business so that it can continue to grow. But in business, the number one thing is not failing, I guess, and continuing to be open and continuing to be helping people and continuing to have income uh, coming in. It's not what they say that the best way to not go broke is to continually have income coming in. So in my case, that means continually helping people, athletes that is, continually providing high quality service and then they'll have positive word of mouth and more people will come in. So if I learn more and I become better at my job, then I'll be able to help those people better as well as then help more people and then the business will take care of itself. But then I thought that was the case for years. You actually, when you're working for yourself, have to learn a little bit about how to structure business, how to price things, how to hire. That's one thing that was really tough for me and how to manage because it can be quite direct in my communication. Um, you got And sometimes then as well, I can be a little bit too understanding uh, and not want to have those tough conversations. So that's been something that I've been focused on learning as well. Um, and then like the more good work that you do, as I've said, then better the chances that you're going to be more successful, I guess, and the more opportunities that will be thrown your way or that will come your way. And something I've been working on then was in, was in the background, as the online coaches say, has been the online mentorship um, or course. And I know I talked about it previously in 2023, towards the end that I'd begun doing it. And it was something that David Gray had told me I needed to do and then there was a couple of people asking me was I going to put together a course so that was enough of an impetus for me to go and say despite the imposter syndrome that we all have okay look I'll try and put something together and it's knowing that the first one you do is probably it's not going to be the best one you do but the only way you get better at it is by doing it more often. And then I've probably been working on it in the background because the more iterations of something that you do and the more you go through it with a fine tooth comb, the more exponential it is in terms of how it improves. So I've been working on it since what? October, September, October, I'd say till now. And I'm finished the content now. I just need to record the lectures. And I've said to a select few people, and um, that were on to me prior to us releasing uh, or us going live with it and um, that they were interested. I've said it to them that it will be open and it's open as of now if people want to get into it. So it's everything I've learned through the last few years. Um, I'm biased, obviously, because I've put it together, but it's what I would have liked to have when I was completely lost a few years ago, when I was struggling financially, when I was struggling to get jobs, when... I didn't have a blues clue about speed development, change of direction development, injury rehabilitation. I thought I did, but maybe I was aware in a lot of those cases that I didn't. Um, and then communication as well and, and how to be a coach and how to speak to coaches, how to speak to players, how to get the most out of them. It's 10 modules, 12 week course at the moment. And we're going through kind of everything that I would have used in the last two or three years working with GAA teams. So it begins by going through like coach and I, it begins with linear speed development for specifically Gaelic games players. So it's a breakdown of all the research and literature from 
most of it actually from Shane Malone's great research that he's done. Shout out to Shane. He probably won't listen to this, but uh, he does. He puts out some great stuff there, as do loads of other people. I've kind of integrated into what I think is applicable to the team sport athlete in Gaelic Games and the senior level GAA athlete. And yeah, so it, it, it goes through that. Then it goes through structuring your SNC program within the gym structuring your SNC program throughout the year on the field and how to structure sessions as a coach, uh, be that towards conditioning, be that towards linear speed development, be it towards uh, game speed development or change of direction and understanding the game and the game demands, be that helping your coaches to put together games in their, in their small-sided games-based approach to training uh, with constraints to get the most out of it, having learning objectives. It incorporates elements of tactical periodization, uh, which is used in soccer a lot and is using in football as well and hurling, uh, and how to structure your weeks. Uh, there's a task after each module, and I'm planning on doing a group call as well uh, weekly, to make sure people are on task as well. Because I've done loads of mentorships and I found that the ones that give you a task to do at the end of each week, a specific task, those are the ones that multiply or um, progress your development the most because there's an onus on you to complete something. And then you're held accountable on the call. You have a conversation in which you get more content than what was delivered in the presentation because the presentation will be delivered to every member of the service or every member of the men mentorship in their own time so i'm thinking of running it via thinkific so that they can just consume the content and then come prepared with their task completed to that group call and then we can just delve into the problems that people are having the questions that they have and the more specific questions that they have around the content as well as how they've got on with the task um, on the call so that's how I'm thinking of running it uh, there is communication with athletes and management creating culture leadership and goal setting the biomechanics of sprinting and change of direction kind of learned from uh, obviously from Alan Murdoch as well and the guys at Speedworks and all their courses that I've consumed as well as my own uh, lecturing at third level education which was short lived uh, before I pulled the plug on that because what I thought was it was going to be great to lecture at third level, but a lot of the people that were there didn't want to be there. Whereas the people that come to consume this content and come to study under me, I guess, or, or learn the things that I've learned, they really want to be there. So it's going to be hopefully really enlightening, really energizing to work with those people and to help them on their personal journey because potentially they're in a place where I was a few years ago and that's potentially why... I know or I have a good idea of how to get out of that place and how to further yourself in your career, how to do better work um, and understand these concepts that people potentially struggle with from time to time. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to help. I'm just putting stuff out there. And that's something I've been dealing with as well. It's probably criticism around uh, putting a mentorship course together or putting this course together. And like it's very cynical and it's very negative to be like really just demeaning somebody that's trying to put together work to help people and who has some experience in the field. The argument is always like, what would you know? You're 24, 25. 
I'm not anymore. I'm 29. Now I know I'm still in my 20s and people think like you need to have this uh, wealth of experience of years and years and years before you start putting something together. But if you go into yourself and you isolate yourself like I did and you really just focus solely on your career development for a number of years, it's amazing how far you can get ahead of the um, of other people, I guess, um, within the industry. And it's amazing how much you can learn. Uh, especially at the expense of your own personal journey. Um, and then at the end of the day, I'm just trying to help people. So like if you're going to be cynical and if you're going to say that I aren't, I'm not able to provide any value to anybody, then come and have a go at the course, see if you learn something um, or else you can basically just fuck off. Like um, Now I know that's pretty, uh, I don't know, it's it it's probably not the best way of putting things, but at some time at some stage you've got to quit worrying about the opinions of others because the cynic is always going to be cynical, um no matter what you do. So no like and generally it's something to do with them as well that potentially they're not confident enough to put stuff out there to help people, so they just want to criticize others that want to do so. As I've said before, if you're not offering more solutions than you are problems, then I don't really care about your opinion. I don't really want to hear it. Um, and I know that I can be optimistic, but you've got to be optimistic. Uh, I think like the the alternate is being a little bit pessimistic. And I know I had that conversation with David where we had a bit of an argument about it. Actually, that podcast never went out. But I think optimism is a choice. And it's a choice that allows you to consistently keep coming back and keep trying. Um, I actually wrote a quote down yesterday. Uh, Pessimists get to be right and optimists get to be rich. Um, If you're consistently pessimistic, the likelihood that you'd be right more often than not is quite likely. Well, at least some of the time you will be right. However, all you need to do as an optimist is be right a couple of times and then you're likely to be successful. So if I put out this course and it doesn't help people, then guess what? The second cohort of it is going to be far, far better because I'm going to get better feedback from it and I'm going to get better at delivering it. And if I put it out and nobody signs up, like who cares? Because I have got so much out of putting everything down on paper and actually understanding my own systems better and putting my thoughts down so that I can reflect on them and uh, actually having something to reflect on if I'm ever stuck in regards to anchoring myself back to my process and my systems in the future. So like I've gained from even just putting together the content. So I'm sure somebody else will gain from consuming the content. Um, And as I always say, if it only helps one person, then it's helping one person and that's why I put it out there. So yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. I'm quite excited to put it out there and put it together. I'll be only accepting... 10 people max I think for this course um, and if people are getting involved in it and, and are coming into the course I will suggest that you use the approach that I use when I join a mentorship to try to be the best learner in the room that's how you get the most out of it um, so if you are interested in joining uh, then be sure to drop me a message um, just drop me a message with the keyword mentorship and then we can have a conversation about it. See if you'd be suited to it. Same way as what I said earlier. If it's not for you, then I'm unlikely to get you into the service or let you into the service because it's right for the right person at the right time, like everything.
Likewise, I've only one space left for February um, for RTP rehab. We've only a week left and I know that I've been trying to diligently focus on the athletes that are within the service. So it probably is going to take a week to onboard somebody effectively. Uh, and then I had somebody sign up for March already. So I think I have four spaces available in March and that's all. So if you are sick of just hitting your plateaus, if you have suffered some sort of a chronic or an acute level injury and you want to address it before it becomes an issue into the league and into the championship or simply if you just want to get faster better at changing direction improve your quickness on the field and um, drop me a message with the word premium to have a chat about the pd performance premium pack but other than that i hope you've enjoyed my ramblings today i have beaten the resistance and putting this in putting this out and as always if you enjoyed this please remember to like it share it and send it